Shalom Alakim, peace be upon you, and welcome back to the broadcast. We're continuing our Torah portion study, and this week it is Vayeshev, which is the ninth reading from the book of Genesis, which means he dwelt, and it comes from the first verse, as all the names for the Torah portions do, that starts with, now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. And uh, so this portion, it deals with basically Joseph and he, the dream that he has, him being sold into slavery. You have the uh, Judah and Tamar issue that takes place. You have the Joseph and the Potiphar's wife issue that takes place. So it's this is definitely a portion uh, that is filled with uh, all kinds of things. And uh, so that's what we're going to be looking at today. Um and I also want to remind us that, you know, this issue where the brothers hating Yosef, Joseph, is probably going back even further than the story is telling us here. Because if you remember at the end of the last Parsha, and Jacob's afraid of Esau, so he divides his family up and sends them in groups, uh, um, divided into the who's the most important to him, and of course Joseph and Rachel at the back of at the back of the group, right? And so they're already seeing that this there's this favor that Joseph has with their father Jacob that they do not have. And so let's begin and take a look. I'm going to read from the Et Sefer again this morning uh, for our Torah portion. So it's going to be chapters 37 through chapter 40. Verse 1. And Yaakov dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Yaakov. Joseph, being seventeen years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of Zilpha, his father's women. And Yosef brought unto his father their evil report. Now, Israel loved Yosef more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw their father loved him more than all his, all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. All right, so let's start right here. We have two things in this verse. The obvious one, uh, the brethren... You know, it's of course they notice that uh, Jacob makes this beautiful coat, this beautiful tunic for Joseph, uh, a tunic made of many colors. And of course, you have to also remember back then, colors were expensive. And uh, so they hate him, you know, it says, and they, 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 they can see clearly that, that Jacob loves Joseph more. And so they hated him to the point where they couldn't even be peaceable with him. But there's more here in that. The very first verse tells us that Joseph would go back to his father and tell the evil reports about us, about what his brothers were doing. And so it doesn't tell us if, if Jacob was having Joseph watch them and then report back. But you have to imagine, like, they're out there working. Joseph's walking around in his beautiful jacket, and he's just coming back to his father with the report of all the evil they're doing. And so... You know, that really sets the stage for how much they're starting to envy and hate him. And uh, which sets the stage for what's about to happen. 
Let's continue. Verse 5. And Yosef dreamed a dream, and he told it to, the, to his brethren. And they hated him yet more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheave arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about, and made absence to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or should you indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream, and he told it to his brethren, and he said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obstinance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brethren indeed come down, come to bow down ourselves to you and to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. We have to stop again because there's a couple of things that just raise questions to me. Okay, so first of all, he's having the dreams and he's sharing them with his brethren and they're hating him even more because his dreams seem to signify that they're going to bow down to him. And he has a second dream that includes even Jacob in it. And he tells his father, and his father's like, what, what is this dream? And here's what's interesting. He says, Am I, shall I and your mother and your brethren bow down to you? Which I find an interesting, to be an interesting statement because Joseph's mother has already passed away. As we read in the last Parsha, yet Jacob is saying, Is your mother going to bow down to you? I don't have an answer for that other than to say that kind of raises some question like what's Jacob thinking this means but at any rate it says that his brethren envied him but Jacob his father observed the saying in other words he kept it in his heart even though he was like what well, this is ridiculous he kind of he, he kept it in his memory to ponder it and wonder what it could possibly be about let's continue and his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Yisrael said unto El Joseph, Do not your brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send you unto them. And he said unto him, Here I am. He said unto him, Go, I pray you, whether it be well with you, with your brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the valley of Chevron, and he came to Shechem. I have to stop again and hopefully I can stop doing this because I'm going to run out of time but it's just another one of those areas where in the Hebrew it doesn't just say Yosef it says El Yosef just like we've seen El Jacob we've seen El Dinah I just find this to be interesting second interesting thing is the brothers are out in the fields working and Joseph's not maybe another reason that they despise him verse 15 and a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field, and he asked him, and the man asked him, saying, What do you seek? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray you, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are in a departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dathan. And Yosef went after his brethren and found them in Dathan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one another, Behold, this dreamer comes, come now therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into a pit. And we will say, some evil beast has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, 
and delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into the pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him of their hands to deliver him to his father again. Okay, I gotta stop again. There seems to be some really moral issues going on with the sons of Jacob that I just that we just can't ignore. I mean, they see Joseph coming, and they're conspiring to murder him. Now, Reuben, if you remember, Reuben is the one who's probably already fallen out of his father's favor because in the Parsha before, it said that he slept with, had relations with, Jacob's wife, Bilhah. And, it said, and the scriptures go on to tell us that Jacob knew about it, and then it changes the subject. So it, the scriptures wanted us to know Reuben did this terrible, evil thing, ungodly thing, and Jacob knew about it. And then it moves on, and then we hear, then here suddenly we have Reuben, you know, trying to uh, break up this conspiracy with their brethren, and he, the scriptures say he seeks to deliver Joseph back into the hands of his father. So we have to ask the question, is, is this because Reuben suddenly had a moral character change, or is he trying to earn back favor with his father, possibly? But either way, they want to murder him. Verse 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was come up to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, the coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, the company of Yishmaelim, in other words, Yishmaelites, Yishmaelites came from Gilad, and their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Mistraim, that is to say, Egypt. And Yehuda said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Yishmaelim, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother in our flesh, and his brethren were content. So here's Judah, who we're going to see has some serious moral issues himself as we read further into this Parsha. But Judah's like, hey, why, mur- why just murder him? Let's sell our brother so we can make some profit. As, as if that's any better, right? Verse 28. Then, they, then there passed by Midian merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Yosef out of the pit and sold Yosef to the Yishmaelim for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Yosef into Mistrium, that is to say, Egypt. So you have these other people, this Midians, Midianim is what it's saying here. These merchantmen, they, so why the brothers are eating lunch and talking about how they should sell him or trying to decide what to do with him, whether to kill him or to sell him, he's drawn out by these merchantmen, and the merchantmen actually sell Joseph to the Ishmaelites, and then, the, and then for 20 pieces of silver, and then they bring Joseph into Egypt. So that's how it all conspires. Uh, but I think we'll see in next week's Parsha that uh, that doesn't let the brothers off the hook. And because Joseph seems to feel as though they are the ones responsible for him being sold. After all, they did throw him in the pit, and after all, they were plotting to murder him and then plotting to sell him. Verse 29. And Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit. 
And he rent his clothes, and he returned to his brethren, and he said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph and killed a kid of goats, and dipped the coat in blood. And they sent the coat of many collars, and they brought it to their father, and said, This have we found, know now whether it be your son's coat or no. And he knew it, and he said, It is my son's coat, an evil beast has devoured him. Yosef is without doubt rent in pieces. And Yaakov rent his clothes, and put sackcloth upon his lines, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, and he refused to be comforted. For he said, For I will go down into Sheol until my son, I will go down into Sheol until my son mourning, unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midaim sold him into Mistraim unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and a captain of the guard. So here, again, we're talking about the character of the sons of Jacob. I mean, how can we ignore this? They, they make up, now they make up this lie. They coat the coat in blood and bring it to their father. Their father's grieving uh, just terribly, yet they keep this secret. They all agree to lie. Chapter 38. And this is the chapter where we see even more moral seemingly issues with Judah. Verse 38. And it came to pass at that time when Yehuda went down from, down from his brethren and turned to a certain Adolini, whose name was Kyria, or Kyira. And Yehuda saw there a daughter of a certain Kenyan, whose name was Shuach. And he took her and went in unto her. And she conceived and bore a son, and he called his name Ur. And she conceived again and bore a son, and, and she called his name Onan. And she yet con again conceived and bore a son, and called his name Shalach. And he was at Keziveth when she bore him. And Yehuda took a woman for Ur, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. And Ur, Yehuda's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of Yahuwah. And Yahuwah slew him. And Yehuda said unto Onan, Go in unto your brother's woman and marry her and raise up seed for your brother. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his. And it came to pass that when he went in unto his brother's woman, that he spilled it on the ground, lest he should give seed unto his brother. And the thing which he did displeased Yahuwah, wherefore he slew him also. Then said Yehuda to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow at your father's house till Shalak my son be grown. For he said, Lest perchance he die also as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. Okay, so what we have here is Judah has three sons. And his oldest son, Ir, marries Tamar. But then Er is wicked in the sights of Yahuwah, it says. And he, so God kills him. And then the it is custom that if that happens, that your brother who is not married would then uh, marry your wife and raise up seed for you. But this son, Onan, he's like, I don't want to raise up seed for my brother. They won't even be considered my seed. And so he spills it on the ground which is evil in the eyes of, Ye of Yahuwah, so he gets slain. And so now tomorrow's a widow again, and Judah is promising her his, younger, his youngest son when he's old enough. And so that's what's happening now. 
And so now she's went back to her father's house. And we pick up at verse 12. And in the process of time, the daughter of Shuach, Yehuda's woman, died. And Yehuda was comforted, and he went up into the sheep shears to Timonath. And he and his friend, Kara, the Adultamy. And it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, your father-in-law goes up to Timnah to shear his sheep. And she put, she put her widow's garments off from her and covered her with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in an open place, which is by the way of Timnah. For she saw, for she saw that Shelach was grown, and he was not given unto him to be his woman. So she hears that Yehuda is coming into town. She's well aware that his younger son is now more than old enough to be husband to her and that he is refusing to to do what he promised so she puts off her her grieving clothes her widow's clothes and she covers her face and sits in the city verse 15 and when Yehuda saw her he thought her to be a harlot because she had covered her face and he turned unto her by the way and said I go to go to I pray you let me come in unto you for he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law she said, What will you give me, that you may come in unto me? And he said, I will send you a kid from the flock. And she said, Will you give me a pledge till you send it? And he said, What pledge shall I give you? And she said, Your signet and your bracelet and your staff that is in your hand. And he gave it to her and came in unto her, and she conceived by him. And she arose and went away and laid by the, her veil from her and put on her garments of her widowhood. And Yehuda sent the kid by the hand of his friend, the Adultamy, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand, but he found her not. Then he asked the men at that place, saying, Where is the harlot that was openly by the wayside? And they said, There is no harlot in this place. And he returned to El Yehuda, and said, I cannot find her. And also the men of this place said that there is no harlot in this place. And Yehuda said, Let her take it to her lest we be ashamed behold i sent this kid and you have not found her all right so judah finds tamar in the town square she's dressed like a harlot he thinks she's a prostitute so then he pays for the prostitution not knowing that it's tamar and he pays with his signet and his staff because he didn't have any flocks or sheep or anything with him at that time and so that's where we're leaving off here, verse 24, and it came to pass about three months after that it was told Yehuda, saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has played the harlot, and also, behold, she is with child by whoredom. And Yehuda said, Bring her forth and let her be burnt. So I find this, isn't this interesting? So it's okay for Judah to go into a prostitute, but anyone who is a prostitute is to be burned. I find that, uh, find that hypocrisy to be great. Verse 25, And when she was brought forth, he sent her, sent to her father-in-law, and saying, By the man, whose these are, I am with child. And she said, Discern, I pray you, whose are these, the signet and the bracelet and the staff? And Yehuda acknowledged them and said, She has been more, right, more righteous than I, because I, because that I gave her not to Shelech, my son. And he knew her again no more. So then we do have a bright moment with Judah. He owns up to the fact that, okay, she's right. That is my staff. That is my bracelet. At the end of the day, she's more righteous than even I. And then he never 
touched her again, and he acknowledged he he acknowledged his offense, uh, which is which is extremely good that he did that. Let's continue with verse twenty-seven. And it came to pass in the time of her travail that behold, twins were in her womb, and it came to pass when she travailed that the one put out his hand. And the midwife took and bound upon his hand a scarlet thread, saying, This came out first. And it came to pass, as he drew his hand back, that, behold, his brother came out. And she said, How have you broken forth? This breach be upon you. Therefore his name was called Peretz. And afterwards came out his brother that had the scarlet thread upon his hand, and his name was called Zarak. Chapter 39. And Yosef was brought down to Mistraim, that is to say Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's captain of the guard, a mystery brought him out of the hands of the Ishmaelim, which had brought him down thither. And Yahuwah was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, Mystery. And his master saw that Yahuwah was with him, and that Yahuwah made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Yosef found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him an overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from that time that he made him an overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that Yahuwah blessed the mystery's house for Yosef's sake. And the blessing of Yahuwah was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Yosef's hands. And he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Yosef was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's woman cast her eyes upon El Yosef. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused, and he said unto his master's woman, Behold, my master knows not what is with me in this house. And he has committed all that he has to my hands. There is none greater in his house than I. Neither has he kept anything back from me but you, because you are his woman. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against Elohim? And it came to pass as he spoke to El Yosef day by as she spoke to El Yosef day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. We should we should note that Joseph is resisting this temptation on a daily basis. This is a godly man. This woman is throwing herself at him every day, it says. It says that she, and it came to pass that she spoke to El Yosef day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Yosef went into the house to do his business, and it was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Now, I'm running out of time, friends, so I don't have a lot of time to spend on this, but I just want to make this one point. Notice how Yosef uh, addresses sexual temptation and sexual sin. He doesn't play with fire. He doesn't say, sure, I'll lay on the bed with you for a little bit, but that's as far as I'll go. No, he runs. He leaves, he leaves his garment in her hand and flees. He runs from this temptation, runs from the sin. So it should be with us. And it came to pass when she saw that she had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth that she called unto the men of her house and spoke unto them, saying, See, he has brought 
in an Ivri, that is to say a Hebrew, unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice, and it came to pass, when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled, and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And when she spoke unto him according to these words, saying, The Ivri, that is to say the Hebrew servant, which you have brought unto us, came unto to me to mock me and it came to pass as i lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out and it came to pass when his master heard these words of his woman which she spoke unto him saying after this manner did your servant to me that his wrath was kindled and joseph's master took him and put him into a prison a place where the king's prisoners were bound and he was there in prison but Yahuwah was with Yosef and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all of the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did, there he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because Yahuwah was with him. And that which he did, Yahuwah made it to prosper. And so what we have here is the Potiphar's wife claimed rape even though Joseph never did anything never touched her and as a result he ended up in prison but Yehovah Yahuwah still blessed Joseph and prospered him and as we will find out as we get into the next week's Parsha this is all part of God's plan to position Joseph into the into a great blessing now, I literally only have a couple of minutes left, and we got to read chapter 40, so no more commentary. I'm just going to read chapter 40 to you, and we will end this Parsha. Chapter 40. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Mistrium, that is to say Egypt, and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Mistrium. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief butlers, and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in a ward in the house, the captain, the guard, into the prison, the place where Yosef was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Yosef with them and set, and he served them, and they continued a season in war, in ward. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream, and one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And the butler, the baker of the king of Misjaim, which were bound in the prisons. And Yosef came unto them in the morning. And looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked, and he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto them, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Yosef said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to Elohim? Tell them, tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Yosef. And he said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine there were branches, and it was as though it was budded, and their blossoms shot forth, and the clusters therefore brought forth ripe grapes. And the Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I looked, and the grapes impressed them unto Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup unto Pharaoh's hand. And Yosef said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up your head and restore you unto your place, and you shall deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after former manner when you were his butler. But think on me when it shall be well with you, and show kindness, I pray you, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of his house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of Evrim, the Hebrew, in other words, the Hebrew. 
And here also have I done nothing that they should put me into this dungeon. When the chief of the bakers saw the, that the interpretation was good, he said unto El Yosef, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. And the uppermost basket there was of all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out of the basket upon my head. And Yosef answered and said, This is the interpretation thereof. The three baskets are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up your head from off you, and you shall hang you on a tree, and the birds shall eat your flesh from off you. And it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and to the chief baker among his servants, and he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again. And he gave the cup unto Pharaoh's hands, but he hung the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. And that, my friends, is the end of our Parsha for this week. Vayishev. And I have no more time to do any more thoughts or commentary, so I'm just going to end it here and just pray that you be blessed in the powerful name of Jesus, in the powerful name of Yeshua. And I hope that you're enjoying this work. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.